Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Aiden Dells, and I'll be reading from John 1, verses 35 through 49. The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Teacher, where are you staying? He replied, Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who heard what Jesus said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He led him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Peter. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son, from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything from Nazareth be good? Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the God's son. You are the king of Israel. Thank you, Aiden, for reading our scripture today. Aiden is one of our confirmance that was confirmed just a little while ago in our earlier service. And today is what I call a high and holy moment in the life of the church on Confirmation Sunday. I know that Pastor Dale already mentioned why we're both wearing robes. Um, This is the one day out of the year that I let seventh and eighth graders dictate what I wear to church. So um, it's my tradition on Confirmation Sunday to let them decide if they like the formality of, of having the pastors wear robes, and this class wanted that, so here we are. Um, but confirmation, it has been a joy and a privilege to walk alongside these kids for the last four months. I've watched them learn and ask questions, sometimes very hard questions, and grow in their faith together. Today they made a public commitment to Jesus. Today they made firm their faith and their baptismal vows. They also became full members of Stonebridge with all of the rights and responsibilities that come with that. And so I felt like it was a good day for all of us to revisit our baptismal vows and our commitment to what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. And there's no one better to do that than Jesus himself, as was evidenced in the text that Aidan just read for us from John chapter 1. I think the text helps us consider this path that Jesus has given us to follow as his disciples. In our last sermon series, it was called Better Together, and we spent three weeks talking about what it means to live in unity as the body of Christ, because we are on a journey of faith together as one body of Christ. And we grow into dynamic and engaged disciples together. Christianity is not a solo endeavor. It was never meant to be that. And so before going any further, I thought I wanted to give thought to the word disciple. What does that word really mean? 
It means being an intentional follower of Jesus who is learning to be like him while also learning to do what he did. An intentional follower of Jesus who's learning to be like him while also learning to do what he did. Or another way to think of it is a follower of Jesus whose life is centering on loving God and loving other people. And so when we take the United Methodist vows of membership, we affirm our commitment to Jesus Christ by supporting the local church that we're joining with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Because it's our belief that this five-fold plan helps us to grow and mature as disciples and to put our faith into action. Because being a disciple involves our entire self, our whole being. Because we're called to be active participants in ministry. And so our prayers, our physical presence here, our financial gifts, and our service are all incredibly important things. But today I want to focus on witness on what it means and how important it is to share our story and to invite other people to Jesus. So a little bit of context about the the verses that Aidan read today. The Gospel of John opens with very profound expressions. If you look at the beginning of chapter 1, before those verses, it says things like, The eternal word becomes flesh and dwells among us, and the light shines into the darkness, and from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. And so in this passage, John the Baptist has been preaching, and people are coming to hear him. They're responding to him, and they're being baptized. And some thought that he was the Messiah. But he knew who he was. And more importantly, he knew who Jesus was. And so the story picks up on a day when he is standing with two of his disciples, John and Andrew. And Jesus is walking towards them, and he gets really excited. And John says to them, look, he's the Lamb of God. Well, that's all they needed to hear. They drop their stuff and they take off and start following after Jesus. Now, Jesus, being Jesus, knew that they were behind him. And so they're walking along and suddenly he stops and he turns to them and he says, what are you looking for? Now, what he's really asking them to do with that question is to identify themselves, to say something like, well, we're looking for meaning and purpose in our lives and we think you might be it. But they don't say that. They don't say that, maybe because they're unaware that they're really looking for something at all. And so instead of answering, they counter his question with another question and say, where are you staying? The classic change of subject. And his reply was simple, come and see. He doesn't pretend to be something that he's not. And so they do. They go and they, the text tells us they end up hanging out with Jesus for the rest of the day. Well, Andrew had such a great time with Jesus, he's got to go tell somebody. Now, Andrew's claim to fame is his brother, who is Peter. And so he goes and finds Peter, and he says to him, we have found the Messiah, and he leads Peter to Jesus. Well, then the next day, Jesus goes to Galilee. He finds Philip, and he simply looks at Philip and says, follow me. And so then Philip goes and finds his buddy Nathaniel, and he says, we found Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel's response is a classic one. He's very snide, and he says, Can anything from Nazareth be good? He was not impressed. So in those days, one would not have listed Nazareth as their hometown on Facebook, okay? Like, it was not a glamorous thing. And so Philip simply says, come and see. So are you seeing the pattern here? And so Jesus loves Nathaniel anyway, and he says to him, you're a genuine Israelite. I can trust you. 
And Nathanael realizes that Jesus did know him, and he changes his attitude. And he acknowledges that Jesus is God's son. And so we have this chain of events that keeps happening over and over. Jesus calls, and he begins to shape his disciples, his followers, and then they invite other followers one by one. And we hear these simple words being repeated over and over. Come and see. Come and see. There's no pressure there. There's no manipulation. Just simple invitations to a new life. And I think this emphasizes the essential quality of offering God's love to other people. So what comes to mind when you hear me say evangelism or witness? Probably nothing good, right? That's the scary E word that we don't like to talk about. You might think about televangelists performing their miracles on late night TV. Or people standing on a street corner holding a sign yelling at you when you drive by. When Americans rank professions according to the degree of integrity and honesty, clergy, which in some minds would include televangelists, continue to drop on that list. I remember seeing a study about 10 years ago. And out of 73 professions on this list, only organized crime members and drug dealers ranked lower than clergy on the list. Now, I did some research recently, okay, and I don't see anything quite that dire now, but it's no secret that the the trust in pastors, especially by those who identify themselves as being non-Christians, is very, very low. And so maybe it's time for us to reclaim a Jesus-inspired vision of what evangelism is, of what that means. Now, evangelism comes from a Greek word that simply means to share good news. And so evangelism means telling the story of of Jesus and inviting other people to come and join us. That's all it means. Evangelism is 90% God's part and about 10% ours because it's God that draws people close. It's God who opens hearts and minds and eyes and ears, but it's our responsibility to tell them. The mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, to witness to God's transforming grace and love in authentic ways. And so sharing our faith is the main business of the church. And by church, I mean Christians. Evangelism is not optional for Christians or for churches. The methods may vary, but we have to be passionate about reaching people who are without Jesus. Well, why? Well, Jesus tells us to, so that's a good enough reason in itself. But it comes down to this. You and I will never lock eyes with another human being who doesn't matter to God. Ever. And in Christ, we have every answer that the world needs. We have joy. We have forgiveness. We have meaning. We have freedom from guilt and sin. And yet sometimes it's so much easier for us to hang on to those gifts to hang on to them rather than risking rejection by sharing and offering them to the world around us. And I'll confess that that I've been there. As I think back through my life and people that have been in my life, one of my very best friends in high school was not a Christian. People in my family who have not been Christians. And I've not hid my faith from them by any means, but I have not always invited them to come and be a part of it. 
And I'm thankful that many of those who I've thought of in my mind on that list have now come to know the Lord. But I drop the ball at times. Friends, the world is thirsty for the truth that we carry around every day. We just have to have something more interesting to say than what the world's saying. And so here's what's compelling. Most people will accept the invitation if they're asked. Invitation represents one of the most persistent themes that we see all throughout Jesus' teaching. He didn't always wait for people to discover him and find courage to move his way. He moved toward them. And I think somewhere along the way, we've settled into a um, a, a come-to-church passivity that waits for people to come here and find us. This mentality that says, well, let those who know nothing about God's love come to their senses and just show up here. Really? I, I don't think that's realistic, and I would say that we can do better than that. Because we, the church, are a means of grace, meaning we are the manifestation of God's searching and initiating love in the world. And so if grace gets in but it can't get out, then we diminish our capacity to grasp what God has entrusted to us. And I've thought about, and I've had many conversations with people about why is it that we are so hesitant to witness to our faith? Why is this such a struggle? And I think there are a lot of reasons. For some, matters of faith are very private. And so to speak openly feels intrusive or offensive to them. Some are very uncomfortable with any notion that we would impose our values on someone else, that we would come off as kind of self-righteous by doing that. And of course, there are a lot of negative stereotypes about evangelism that I alluded to a few minutes ago. Pressure and guilt, manipulation. Sometimes it feels very artificial that it's just about marketing something. But I think for most people, true witness happens in the very quiet more ordinary moments of our lives. Because it is not so much what we say, it is how we live. That is our witness. It's not doing something to someone else, or arguing with them, or even having to have some kind of deep biblical knowledge or theological skill. It's just sharing what God has done in your life, how God has worked in your life, and having a care and a concern for the people that need that assurance as well. Because we're missionaries. We are not consumers in the church. The church exists for those who are not yet a part of it. And so it's not enough to assume that your pastors and church staff and your church leadership and the sign out front are going to do all the work. Because as Christians, we're not just asked to believe something, we're asked to do something. We are called by Jesus, to do something. Because Jesus expects that our life of faith is going to make a difference. He expects that when we find him, we will respond to his call by then pointing other people to him. And so our witness is more than just a verbal invitation. It's a way of life that invites God to work through us. And our faith becomes real to other people as it becomes real for us. But we have to be transparent. We have to be what we say we believe. And so as you think about your life today, what is it about you that would make someone else want to be a follower of Jesus? When other people look at your life, why would they look at you and say, I want to be a person of faith? Romans 10, 14 says, 
How can people know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? For most of us, someone else told us about Jesus. Think about who that was for you. Evangelism doesn't have to be reduced to doing something we don't like with people we don't know. People are looking for something that makes sense. And they will respond to the things of God when those things are viewed by us as important enough to talk about and to be lived out in our witness. And so if we're convinced that the news about Jesus is really good news, then we can't help but share it with other people. And so Jesus gives us a very clear model to follow here. It has nothing to do with forcing anyone or humiliating another person. There are just simple steps that I think Jesus gives us to be a friend. If we don't have any friends that aren't active Christians, then we need to go find some. We need to listen and understand. In the text, Jesus started with a question. And so we have to hear and accept where people are in the moment that we're with them. We have to minister to their needs, give them comfort, give them encouragement, give them hope. And earn their confidence and trust. And that happens by being genuine. That happens by being willing to share our story. And then offer an invitation. Say, come and see. Come with me to church on a Sunday. Come with me to a Bible study. Come with me to a fellowship event that we're having. Come and see who Jesus is and come and see the difference that he has made in my life. Imagine having one conversation like that every month. Only one. What amazing things would begin to happen. And above all, we have to trust in God's Spirit. Because as United Methodists, we believe in something called provenient grace. Which means that God is already at work in people's lives before they're ever even aware of that movement. And so God can and God will use you. God will use your story if you're ready to share it. And so are you ready to do that? We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to, to be willing to introduce people to the God who knows them and loves them. And so as we invite them in, as we build relationships with them, we are then playing an active role in making disciples. And we can then empower them to join us in experiencing something new. And there is no greater privilege. There's no greater privilege than leading someone into a knowledge and into the presence of Jesus. And that picture that we showed you earlier, we had 14 young people today who declared in front of God and everyone in that room, yes, Jesus, I love you. Yes, I'm ready. I am ready to follow you. I'm ready to serve you. I'm ready to be an engaged disciple. They are already powerful witnesses to the goodness and the grace of God in their lives. And so will we join them in that? Because the good news is that Jesus says to all of us, come and follow me. Come and follow me in a life of wholeness. And he journeys with us. He gives us what we need. And so let's help others move into Christ's presence. And when we do that, one day we will hear Jesus say to us, Thank you. Thank you for loving me by loving my people. Thanks be to God for that hope and that promise that we have.
Would you join me as we pray together? Oh God, we thank you for all of the gifts that you give to us. We thank you that you are faithful to walk with us every day, even when we may not feel like you're there. And God, we pray that you would help us to be a witness. You would help us to live into what it means to share your good news with everyone in our life. That they might look at our lives, that they would look at the way we live and say, I want that. I want to follow Jesus. God, may we be faithful in doing that. May we know that you are always there walking behind us, beside us, and in front of us, giving us wisdom, giving us discernment for our journey. We thank you and we praise you for all that you are and all that you continue to do for us. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.